What up, world? Welcome back to Locked On Blazers. I am Mike Richmond of NBC Sports Northwest, and with me, a very special guest, Jason Quick of The Athletic. We're here to talk all things Blazers. Uh, let's get right into it. Blazers made a move this week. We still kind of haven't seen what it looks like, but they signed big man Ennis Cantor. Jason, what I want to ask you is, what are your sort of initial reactions to that, and is this a big deal? Is this a big signing? I think it is. I my initial uh, response was I was impressed. I thought it was a good, smart move by the team. Um, I'm still really curious to see what it means to the rest of the rotation because before the Cantor signing, we were all kind of seeing how Terry Stotts yeah. figured it out, and it, it was changing night to night. I think it's going to even change more now because Terry has said, boom, he's going to be our backup, our backup five. So uh, – I think it's a smart move. I think it's, uh, you know, they didn't have to give up anybody. And when you look at this team now after the All-Star or after the trading deadline compared to before, you have to say that they improved. Absolutely. They're better. They, tr- they turned Nick Stauskas and Wade Baldwin into two guys who are rotation players. And That's, Caleb Swanigan. And Caleb yeah. Swanigan, yeah. yeah, into rotation players. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a big deal. And for me, the biggest significant part is this means that the team and Neil Olshay specifically is moving off two of his guys. Yeah. He is saying – Zach Collins and Myers Leonard are not ready to be playoff people. We have to go get a backup big man who's ready to play in the playoffs. And to me, that's something we haven't seen Neil do very much. I still think, though, it it gives them tremendous flexibility because I think if they're late in the game and they need some defense, Zach Collins still has a role. If they need some spacing, I still think you can put Myers Leonard in there because I don't think Enos really has much range. Uh, but I think for the most part, they'll give it to, to Cantor. But I, I think this team has a ton of options now, and we've seen that with Terry against Golden State playing uh, basically the whole bench through the fourth quarter except for Dame. Yeah, and he didn't bring Dame until like four and a half minutes left. He's waited seven and a half minutes with five bench guys right. against the best team in the NBA. Right. So It was interesting, though. I, I went through and, and ch- charted the minutes since Hood has come and sure. since the uh, – Rotation has been kind of boggled a little bit. And Dame and Nurk are the only guys who have played about the same amount of minutes. And Jake Lehman's the only one who saw a spike. He's getting 10 more minutes since Rodney Hood joined. Interesting. The guy who's had been affected the most, who would you guess? Seth Curry. That's my guess. He's second. Uh-huh. Evan Turner. Ah. Down 7.1 minutes. Uh, Seth is down 6.8 minutes. Okay. Uh, but those two have felt the biggest the biggest pinch. And that's really interesting. Evan Turner, as we all know, was signed. He was going to be the leader of the second unit. Was supposed to leave pressure off Damon CJ, but uh, I think he's going to, I think Stotts is trending towards playing Rodney Hood more. Absolutely. And it was interesting at Oklahoma city. He started the fourth quarter with Rodney Hood with the ball in his hands, initiating the offense. And I think that's something he's going to toy with as uh, we entered the second half of the season. Yeah. I, 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 Going into the season, the Blazers had their starting five intact, and it was going to be Evan Turner and Zach Collins are going to be the first two guys off the bench, and then uh, eight through ten was going to shift every night. And now, Zach is 11th pretty clearly. Evan looks like he's ninth, eighth or ninth, depending. So I I think generally I'm really critical of how stubborn the front office and the coaching staff are and how they come together and they're not flexible. Mm -hmm. And this... 
I don't know if it's this great improvement, but they are, if nothing else, more flexible. They've shown a little, like, a willingness to be more flexible than they have in the past. This is going to be Terry Stott's biggest coaching challenge since he's been in Portland. We know he's a good X's and O's coach. We know he's good player relations-wise. Another facet of coaching is managing a rotation and doing that on a night-to-night basis with the microscope. This is going to be a a fairly intense – final 25 games as far as seeding and what this organization has been through this is going to be uh terry stott's time he's either gonna sink or swim yeah it's i think more than the x's and o's and who plays with who because um you know that i'm a nerd and i'll look up light up <laughs> yes. data and, and be like yes who's, who's playing who? but i think the managing egos managing personalities is going to be really tough on him because Evan Turner's getting paid $18 million to play. Seth Curry signed here to play. If those dudes, yeah. I, I think that could be challenging for him. I think that's a little bit overrated because I think no matter what, someone's going to be pissed. Right. They should be pissed. As Dame said, right. after the Golden State. I thought he had a really good point. If yeah. you're not mad, if you're in the wrong place. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's going to change night by night. I think one night it might be Seth who's pissed. The other night it might be Evan who's pissed. Then it might be Zach. So uh, I think as long as the team wins, or they still have, you know, are looking big picture and seeing that, hey, we're going to be a playoff team. I need to be ready. I think that'll be okay. But it's a matter if Terry pulls the right strings and yeah. he's able to do it. That's that is going to be a, a big challenge. So, so uh, with getting back to the Cantor thing before we yeah. take a, a quick break, do you think he becomes kind of like a dump it in the post option? Like, how does you know what does that? What do you think Cantor looks like? I've always kind of remembered him as a. Not a garbage player, but, you know, picking up offensive rebounds and putbacks and kind of getting his nose dirty in there. I don't know. One thing I'm curious is how good a passer he is. Right. Is he going to be able to play in this flow offense? You know, And kind of be like Nurk is with where he, they right. can run stuff through him. Yeah. Back pick or back cuts and stuff yeah. like that. Um, because I don't think anyone thought Nurk was that when he signed, when he came over with Portland. No, he was, had a ball hog uh, sort of reputation. Right. So it's going to be interesting to see how Cantor – uh, fits into this offensive system. Yeah, I think it's more pick and rolls than post ups. If I had to guess, Probably, just because I yeah. don't think they're going to say, "Oh, hey, welcome. Here's 22 minutes. We'll just dump it into you a whole bunch of times." Right. My big thing though with him is how does he impact this team defensively? Yeah, can they handle him being on the court? Right. I mean, because that has been the big knock on him, right? Right. And look, when they lost in the playoffs, I don't think it wasn't. I mean, it was partially an offensive problem because Dame and CJ couldn't get going, but. People forget. They couldn't Nor- guard them. New Orleans rolled on them. They I couldn't mean, guard them. Drew Holiday, Anthony Davis, Miritich. They're they all, yeah, they, the obs- they had no answers. The so. obsession is the double-teaming Damian Lillard because you see it and, and right. you could see the frustration. But they they were getting buckets. Right. So, I, so I, I do think. I, I still think the big picture question for this team is, are they going to be good enough defensively in the crunch uh, in the playoffs? And I don't know that Enos Cantor really answers that. Yeah, and I don't know if 21-year-old Zach Randolph has your other option. Or Zach Collins. Collins. <laughs> well, certainly not 40-year-old Zach <laughs> yeah. Randolph. All right, let's take a break, and then we'll get back, and uh, we'll talk about something you wrote this week where you said the Blazers were trending towards 50 wins. All right, we're back. Uh, it's Mike Rich from NBC Sports here on Lockdown Blazers. I'm still with- weird hearing you say that. <laughs> it's <is> super bizarre. <laughs> Still talking here with Jason Quick of The Athletic. Uh, Jason, you wrote this week in a piece that the uh, Blazers, after they beat the Golden State Warriors to close out the um, the first half of the season, as we call it, but head into the All-Star break, that they were trending towards 50 wins. 
Um, now, I'm an avid reader of yours at The Athletic, mm-hmm. um, so I'm scouring over your sentences, <laughs> and that one stood out to me a great deal. 50 wins. Can this team, can they find 16 wins in the back half of the season? And is 50 wins like a, is that a significant, same with the Cantor thing, is that a significant milestone? I think so. Uh, it's always been kind of the benchmark right. of, of a good NBA team is 50 wins. Uh, so they have 25 games left. They would have to go 16 and 9 over that. The problem is they have a lot of road games. They're going to be on the road for three weeks. <laughs> yeah, and so I think uh, 16 of them are road games and 9 of them are home games. Yeah. Uh, and they've got, what, they're 10 and 15 on the road. It'll be a challenge, but I, I think it's going to be really close. Um, this trip is going to be defining. Agreed. Uh, and the, the real crucial ones are Brooklyn. I think that's a toss-up. And I think the uh, the Charlotte and Memphis, if they, they need to take care of business on the tail end of that, they're going to be tired. Uh, they're going to be anxious to get home. Uh, those three are, are really going to be kind of the defining uh, games of the trip. Yeah, and Memphis is a place where they have, for whatever reason, traditionally yeah. struggled. It's kind of a city where they've, um, where they've had issues. Obviously, that team is not Memphis of the last decade, so right. it'll be a lot different. Um, with all due respect to Jonas Valanciunas, it ain't exactly prime Marcus Sol. So yeah, right. I, I'm. I would probably take the under on fifty yeah. as a betting man. I would say fifty is probably this team's ceiling. Mm-hmm. I'd say forty-eight, forty-nine. But um, boy, we're splitting hairs there, Mike. Well, you're saying forty-eight. I'm saying fifty. Well, fifty is a fifty. Like you said, it's a big. It's fifty it is. is the sign of a legitimately good team. You win fifty games. I. Obviously, the playoffs will decide. But 50, if you if this roster wins fifty games, you got to feel good about sort of what they've built, right? If nothing else, I think this is going to be a motivated roster too, because I think it's going to be a huge deal for this team to have home court advantage. Absolutely, I think if this team enters the postseason as a five or six seed, boy, I, that's going to be a real uneasy feeling, just judging by how this team has played on the road. But again, this is. This is a dynamically different team now with Hood and Cantor. Absolutely, this is. And we have barely, we haven't seen much of what this the group's going to look right. like down the stretch. And you know, I don't think it's going to happen, but personalities can change, attitudes can change. Uh, locker rooms are can be volatile things. Portland's over the years has not, but I've seen it before where guys get sideways and it becomes a problem. And and. You can lose a locker room real quick. I don't think it will happen in Portland, but it's one thing that we don't know uh, heading forward. Do you think that's mostly a Damian Lillard thing? Do you think that's a Terry Stotts thing? Like who who sort Dame, of – Dame, definitely. Dame. Don't you think? Absolutely. I mean, Dame is – he's got such a great feel for the pulse of this team, and he knows – he can see when Maurice Harkless is starting to go into his little hole, and he'll pull him aside on the plane and, and say this or that. Uh, I, I think he'll – he has noticed with Myers Leonard when Myers Leonard might get a little, I don't want to say pouty, but a little sad. Right. And he'll pull him back in and say, hey, there's going to be a time when we need you to hit a big shot. At the end of this week, we're going to call your name. Yeah. So I think Dame is, he is an an exceptional, exceptional leader. And uh, I I don't think, I think it's been said a lot, but I don't know if it ever does it justice by saying what a great leader he is and what a great teammate he is. Yeah. And I, I think, Part of what makes him so good is that he's he he shows up and brings it every night. No, no doubt. You know, like there's been some up and down moments from CJ this year. Uh, probably more down than up, mm-hmm. if we're being real. Yeah. Um, this is 
and and Nurk has had some moments where he looks like, oh man, this this guy is an all-star center, and then some moments where you say, oh yeah, 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 I remember. That's right. He can't make a layup. <laughs> yeah. I remember him. He used to he used to not be able to score when yeah. he was right at the rim. So, but Dame, even when he's not playing well, he has a certain juice about him. He yep. he he plays hard. That's why with four minutes left. The only starter that Terry will even consider right. turning to is said, I need Dame on the court. These other four guys I'll roll with. Yep. So I think there's a respect thing just because he, he does it every night. He's, yeah. he's someone who, who uh, um, sort of brings the, the brings it all together, ties it all together. And, and, and I, again, as I kind of said, is that I think this is going to be a motivated team. There is a lot of pressure on this team. And Absolutely. Particularly on this, especially on this core. Uh Stotts and Olshay, I think they're they're fighting for their jobs, and I think this core is trying to prove it it belongs or that they should keep it together. And they know how many straight they've lost. They know uh, what their playoff history is. So I think there is this is a motivated group that they have something to prove, uh, different than any other year. They, they've Ab- got a chip on absolutely their because uh, either someone leans on Olshay and says time to blow it up. Or someone fires Olshay, and that person who comes in likely blows it up. If things go south, I think... If they don't get out of the first round, two of three things are going to happen. Stotts is gone, Olshay's gone, and C.J. McCollum is traded. Yeah, I, I think that's two, fair. Two or three, or all three, is yeah. going to happen. The only way is if they're in like a game seven against somebody, you know... And, and it's, got screwed by a call yeah, or something. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But if, if, they're a, if they're out in six games to Houston, yeah. I think this team looks dramatically different. Yep. And I think they've the organization them, looks dramatically. Absolutely, everybody yeah. looks. There's we're lo- meeting a lot of new faces next yeah. October. We're uh, getting some new phone numbers. Yeah, uh, I, I. Uh, so the last the last fifty one team was Lamarcus's last year here. Yeah. Uh, that group, obviously, there was some mid-game circumstances with his free agency and everything. But that this is. Do you think this is the best team since that group? Since that fifty four win team? Well, it's hard because. That was the team that lost Wes Matthews, correct? Right. Uh, to the uh, Achilles injury on March 5th, I believe. Yeah. So that was brutal. I think they were the third seed at the time. I think they won and moved into second in the West that night. Was it second? Yeah. It was up there. Whatever it yeah. was, they were like a half game out of second. And, and then they, were... they just they just freefalled from there. Their defense was terrible. And um, Is it the best team? Since? Yeah, you'd have to say it's the deepest team right. since That's what... then. Um but that team had a better one-two. I think Dame and, and LaMarcus are a better one-two combo than Dame and CJ. I still think D- CJ, even though his numbers say he's about the same as every other year, I don't think he's had a good year. I, it, I just don't. Yeah, it, it, the numbers don't speak to his consistency. Yeah. He's had some just awful months, and then, like, he went nuts in January. He shot 50% yeah. from three or whatever. But, you know, he had some really great, you know, 7 out of 10, 8 out of 12 type he of games. He has remarkable games. And you're just like, man, he can shoot. And then yeah. he's... He went, you know, five for fifteen against Dallas, and and or whatever. Five against, for twenty. Five for twenty yeah. against OKC, and it's a, yeah. like the consistency isn't there, and the right. averages don't ex- speak necessarily to the consistency. Right. But yeah, I think this is their best team since then. Um, I, I really do, uh, just because of their depth. I think they're incredibly versatile, and I think Dame's playing. He this is the best version of Dame absolutely. that we've, I would that say we've seen. Absolutely, it's not close. Like the, his yeah. defensive ability, his his. Yeah. His ability to pass the ball yep. and just sort of sheer will scoring that he can go into. I think yep. I think this is the best version that we've seen of of the Damian Lillard era Blazers, of yeah. the Dame solo Blazers. All right, let's take another quick break. When we get back, we'll talk about how you and 20 years covering the NBA have never been to All-Star Weekend. <laughs> yes. 
All right, we're back. I'm Mike Richmond of NBC Sports Northwest, still with Jason Quick of The Athletic. Jason has covered the Blazers since basketball was invented by James <laughs> Naismith. He, um, uh, it's been a long time. Jason helped nail up the second peach basket. He wasn't there for the first peach basket, but when, uh, when Naismith, he was like, hey, we need to add another one, Jason came running in to help him. So he's, he's seen a lot of basketball, but somehow... And Jason, all his time covering the league and two decades covering the NBA, you've never been to All Star Weekend, Jason. By design. Why do you skip it? Uh, covering an NBA season is a grind, and more often than not, I have gone uh, somewhere tropical. Usually Hawaii. One year I went to Brazil. Uh, one year I went to Thailand. I like. I love sun. Yeah, he's a pool guy. He's and, a pool guy. Uh, and I just need a break sometimes, and and also. The All-Star Weekend is, like, exactly what I hate about journalism. It's it's pack mentality. You're interviewing everyone in a group. There's nothing unique about it. You, you don't get one-on-ones. And uh, so I have no desire to to do pack journalism. Yeah, it belies your best skill, which is walking into somewhere and getting a guy on his own and getting yeah. him to – open up about the game and his thoughts and where he's at in his mind. Yeah. What you get so I've covered one. I covered the twenty fifteen All Star game. Where was that at? It was in New York City. Oh yeah. Steph um, Curry won the three points. Yes, against yeah. Wes Matthews. Oh was it? And so Wes was in the three point contest. Um Lamarcus Aldridge was named a replacement starter morning right, of the game. Right. So I had talked to him and gone back and forth and wrote this whole thing. And then it's like, and he's like, no, I mean, Steve Kerr hasn't told me if I'm starting or not. He hasn't, we just haven't talked about it. And then it comes out like an hour later. I'm like in a taxi back and I like text him. I was like, thanks, man. Thank you. <laughs> really, I really appreciate you. You really helped me out with this right. story. Um, and Dame was, it was Dame's, Dame was a replacement, but that was his second all-star okay. appearance. Um, Did you enjoy it? I okay, so that was my first year on the beat. Mm. So I enjoyed being part of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was in the media bus and I was walking right, around right. the the bowels of MSG and bumping into celebrities who are taking selfies with Adam Silver and stuff like that. So I did at the time. I was twenty six, also. So yeah. um, I loved being part of the show, but the job sucked. It sucked. Yeah. So. And that's saying something because you love basketball. Oh, I'm a I'm a nerd for this. I, yeah. I absolutely love it. Yeah. Um, I'm not a huge basketball guy. I'm no. more of a baseball guy. Yeah. But, uh, so that's saying something. Yeah. No. So like, here's so here's let me just sort of walk through like what All Star looks like, particularly for Jason, who had never <laughs> been and wouldn't know it. Um, so you get there and there's a big media day the first day. It's like in a hotel room. Uh, or in, like in a hotel conference yeah. area, and they just set up little booths, and so you like, and it's a raised booth, and I'm like five six, so I'm like, <laughs> I'm chin up to the bar, trying to see over the top and hold my phone to get these interviews, but um, it's just like a crowd of people. So if you want to talk to say like Lamarcus, it's pretty easy because he's not that big of a celebrity, right, but right. but even at the time, Dame was like a budding young star. You want to go talk to the bigger guys like LeBron and stuff, you could be. 25 people back right. shouting LeBron, 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 shouting right. out your question. And everyone else is asking like, hey, what kind of toothpaste do you use? Right. Like if you could date one SpongeBob character, who would it oh, be? Jesus. You know, like just. See, yeah. I'd shoot myself. Yeah. So like <laughs> the story that you're trying to write is like, uh, LaMarcus is, this is his big sort of chance to prove he's the greatest Blazer all-star and blah, blah, right. blah. But it's like you get two and a half minutes, two questions, maybe yelled out in a crowd. Yeah. He, they're tired because guys they don't like doing it right and even if they know you he's like yeah what's up mike um hurry yeah. along 
Yeah, yeah. like you, I'll give you ninety seconds. Let's do it. So uh, then after that, there's like another. After, so that's one media day. Then they have a practice, quote unquote, and then there's a second media day, which is the exact same thing, but in a smaller, more crowded setting. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> yeah. So it's like you go from it being too crowded to being like hilariously crowded. Yeah. Um, so I didn't write very good stories that weekend. I wrote like maybe five things in three days, six things in three days, and none of them were particularly good. Uh, and I requested to not ever go back again. Yeah. And luckily, the uh, sort of landscape of media finance. Right. And my preferences just lined up perfectly. So no one's asked me to go to All Star ever again. Right. So um, do you wa- will you watch the – we're recording this. Uh, this is going to come out Monday. So hi, everyone. We're recording this prior to the All Star festivities. Will you watch the All Star game? I will not. Um, I will watch the three-point sh- shooting contest uh, just because uh, Damon and Seth are on it. But uh, I will not watch the game. I have I can't remember the last time I watched the game. So yeah, like traditionally, when you're in Hawaii or Brazil, you're not you're not getting your way to right. the TV or whatever. And then uh, this week, I'm going to uh, the ballet. I'm going to see Cinderella, taking the old wife to oh, see what? Cinderella. Now that is a great All Star Weekend plan. Yeah. What a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you think so? This is this one's in Charlotte. The Blazers or Portland, the the franchise bid for this one. You think we're getting All Star game here? I think eventually they will. Yeah. I think the big holdup has been hotel space, Yeah, right? and the one, the big one that's... Because they need not just number of rooms, they need big centralized hotels. Right. Because they don't want to put the people in 25 hotels, they want to put people in seven hotels. Right. So the big one, the Hyatt Regency, is supposed to be finished. It's either the end of next this year or the beginning of 2020. Yeah. And how long have they scheduled it out? So I think it's through 20... The next one they could get is 2023 or 2024. God, I hope they don't get it. <laughs> I mean, I don't like. Here's the thing. I, this is always like. It'd I be un- great for Portland. I, but is it though? Like, I understand the sort of like blazer, no one cares about us fan mentality, where it's like we deserve an All Star game. But like, will people go? Would oh, I think Portland they would go would, a three point contest and stuff. Portland would, would go fun. crazy for it. I think. But yeah, I really do. Yeah, it wouldn't be fun for us. You'd have to finally cover. I know. If you're still around, do this. That's what I mean. You're gonna have to still cover the All Star game. Have your to first do one. It all out. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I think Portland would eat it up, though. I, I think they'd go crazy for it. Yeah, no, I really and I do. think and I think it would be a good city for it. But um, I, Pe- people I, would love the dining mm-hmm. and the beers and all that. I, I think, like reporter wise, oh, the media people, people love, love coming here because yeah. it's like, especially if they come from LA or New York, it's so much cheaper than they're used to. Yeah. And if they're coming from other cities without as good of food, they're like, holy cow! Like, yeah. I, you know, I went to these four breweries and they're I got such great food and such great beer. So yeah, I think I think Portland would do itself well if they get one, um, but. We're a ways away. Yes. A couple Maybe, years at least. Yeah. I don't know if the... Uh, What's what? first? All-Star game or baseball here? Oh, All-Star game. All-Star game, yeah. If I had to pick. Yeah, same thing. I think realistically baseball 10 years away. Ooh, guy. Breaking yeah. some hearts. Sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. <laughs> if, there's any, uh, if there's any Portland Diamond Project people listening, I yeah. apologize, but that's just my feel on it. It's just my feel. I've read a little bit about the, the stadium situation. I think they're a decade away. All right. Well, um... I'm going to let you get out of here. I appreciate you hanging with me. Uh, if you are listening, if, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know who Jason Quick is, please reach out to me. I'm <laughs> at Mike T. Rich on Twitter. And if you have never heard of Jason Quick prior to tonight, I am. I would love to meet you and just, just you know, we could be friends. We could be close personal friends if you know me and don't know Jason. But find his work at theathletic.com. He does great He does great work. He's been doing it forever. You, um, you either hate him or you love him. Probably a little bit of both each week. Um, wow, thank you. Hey. Well, 
Um, me, on the other hand, you love all the time. Greatest podcast host and writer that there could ever be. I'm on Twitter at Mike G. Rich. Uh, hit me up with questions. Hit me up with comments. And we'll talk to you soon.